We'll start in 1 Timothy chapter 1, please. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, please. And we're going to look at verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now I want you to turn to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, please. And we're going to look at verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Everybody there? All right. The Bible says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So this morning, with the Lord help, helping me, I pray, Pray that he will meet with us as we look at his word. I'd like to preach on the topic, he shall save his people. He shall save his people. Dear Lord, bless your word today. May the Holy Spirit help us. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for loving us and keeping us. And thank you for the promise of eternal life. Bless your word today in Jesus' name, and amen. This is the season of the year that our minds turn to the birth of Christ. And even the world, the world that lies in wickedness, as the Bible says, even the world gives a nod to the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth and was born at Bethlehem. Unfortunately, though, many people, if not most people, do not go beyond that fact. Many people know and some even believe that God uh, sent his son into the world, born of a virgin, and that he died on a cross, but they never actually trust Christ as their Savior. You may live and die and go into a Christless eternity knowing the facts of the gospel. But not actually believing on Christ. As one old preacher said, alas, he knew the plan, but he didn't know the person. Alas, he knew the plan, but he didn't know the person. Just knowing the facts of the gospel, let me say this, just knowing the facts of the gospel has never saved anybody. There's a lot of people know the facts of the gospel, but they're not saved. A sinner must believe in Christ. You and I must repent and believe the gospel. This is the message that Paul preached. He preached repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message that Jesus preached. Mark chapter 1 tells us, Now after that John was put in prison, 
Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Matthew Henry in his commentary made the following statement concerning that passage. By repentance we must lament and forsake our sins and by faith we must receive the forgiveness of them. Both of these go together. We must not think either that reforming our lives will save us without trusting the righteousness and grace of Christ or that trusting in Christ will save us without the reformation of our hearts and lives. Christ has joined these two together and let no man think to put them asunder. The purpose of Christ Jesus coming into this world was to save sinners. Let me say that again. The purpose of Christ Jesus coming into this world was to save sinners. Notice our text again. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. I want you to notice that he has a people. Jesus Christ has a people. Down through the ages, he's been saving his people and calling his people, the Bible says, with a holy calling. Not according to our works, the Bible says, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And one day, maybe soon, he will have all his chosen people gathered together with him in heaven. The Apostle John said, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. A great multitude which no man could number. There's going to be a meeting in there. There's going to be a meeting. As one old preacher used to say, he didn't come to this earth to try to save people. He came to save his people. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I want us to consider four aspects of this salvation that Jesus Christ brings. And I'm going to do my best to bring you the Bible today, and I've got to hurry. Uh, I've got to preach in Buckhannon this afternoon, but I'm going to do my best. To bring you the Bible. Number one, salvation. There's four aspects of this salvation at least that I want to bring out this morning. Number one, salvation from the pleasure of sin. Number two, salvation from the penalty of sin. Number three, salvation from the power of sin. And number four, salvation from the presence of sin. So let's look at this first one. Salvation from the pleasure of sin. You know the Bible is a forthright book. It doesn't cut any corners it doesn't shade anything it tells the truth and the bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season but ultimately sin is a destroyer isn't it sin is a destroyer and ultimately it will do like the bible says it at last it'll biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Sin will destroy you. It may be pleasurable for a while, but there will come a time when it's no longer pleasurable and you will not be 
mastering sin, sin will master you. The sinner in, in, in his natural state loves vanity, doesn't he? In our natural state, before a person becomes a Christian, they love just foolishness and vanity and things that's not eternal. The lost sinner calls good evil and evil good. Look at our nation today. They call good evil and evil good all throughout the land. And outside of Christ, the Bible says we're lovers of our own selves, boasters, covetous, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That is our condition outside of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me, hold your place there in Matthew if you want to, and look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, please. And let's begin reading verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice this. Wherein times past, time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Underline those words past in my Bible. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I'm glad it doesn't stop there. The next verse says, but... God, but God, if it stopped right there, even as others, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? It says, but God, who is rich in mercy. Do you know our God is rich in mercy? Do you know the Bible says our God delighteth in mercy? Do you ever, you ever pray and you think, God, I'm a mess? I hope you do because you are a mess. <laughs> And I, I thought about that today. I was praying this morning and I thought, you know, Lord, I'm a mess. And I, that verse came to my mind. He, he, like a father, pitieth his children. He has pity on me even when I'm a mess. We have a merciful God, don't we? Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So, uh, the true Christian no, no longer wants to live in sin. That was past he, the true Christian feels the burden of sin. In other words, the true Christian sins. There's nobody sinless, is there? But when we do sin, we feel the burden of it. The true Christian feels the bitterness of sin. We don't like it in ourselves. It's a bitter thing. 
The true Christian feels the bondage of sin. We can't break free from it hard as we try, as much as we'd like to. It's still there, isn't it? And the true Christian should be broken over their sin. You know, we, we Baptists, sometimes you'll hear a Baptist say, once saved, always saved. And I believe that. But I'll tell you something else. Once repentant, always repentant. You'll always be repenting. Salvation from the pleasure of sin. Salvation from the pleasure of sin. You know, if the Lord lets you alone and you go down the road the way that you want to in your natural state, you'll destroy yourself. Men and women, boys and girls left alone in their natural state are heading for destruction. Secondly, salvation from the penalty of sin. The Bible says back in Matthew, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He saves his people from the penalty of sins. Aren't you glad for that? He saves his people from the penalty of sins. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's not only this death here in this world. We're all heading toward the grave, aren't we? There's a death in this world. You're going to die. If the Lord doesn't return, you're going to die. If you're saved, He's going to rapture you out of here. But if you're not saved, you're going to be left behind, but you're going to die. Every person here is going to die. And that's where we stop breathing, isn't it? You've heard the old smart aleck, you know, what killed him? Well, his heart stopped beating. Well, eventually that's going to happen, isn't it? But there is a second death, isn't there? The Bible speaks of a second death. You have a never-dying soul that's going somewhere. When your heart stops beating, you're going somewhere. And God has said so in His Word. Revelation 21 says this, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's a second death. There's, I'm trying to tell you this morning, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But a Christian, thank God, has been delivered from the wrath to come. We've been delivered. A person who has believed on Jesus Christ is no longer under condemnation. Jesus stands in my place. He stands in my place. He was the just for the unjust. In other words, Jesus took my hell. He paid my sin debt. He's delivered his people. He's delivered his people from the wrath to come. As Thomas Boston, the Puritan writer said, God the Father takes the pen, dips it in the blood of his son, crosses out the sinner's accounts, and blots them out of his debt book. I thought that was a beautiful statement. Can you imagine? God the Father takes the pen, 
dips it in the blood of his son, and crosses out my sin debt. That's true, isn't it? Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Salvation from the penalty of sin. Thirdly, salvation from the power of sin. The Bible says, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now turn to Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. I don't usually have you turn this much, but I want you to see these. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust." thereof neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God for sin notice this for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace let not sin therefore verse 12 says let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body I want to tell you this morning that exhortation from the Apostle Paul would be entirely meaningless if sin had been totally eradicated. In other words, we are going to fight sin. You say, preacher, I'm saved. I don't care. You're going to fight sin. Preacher, I've been saved 30 years. Then you know better. You know you're fighting sin. Look at verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Verse 17, but God be thanked. Notice this, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made, verse 18, free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So we've been made free from the power of sin. We're no longer a servant to sin. We're a servant of righteousness. Look at verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. What's the apostle saying here? He's saying you changed masters. Now, when you, were a, when you were a lost sinner, did you ever do any good things? Well, sure you did. But the bend of your life was not that way. It's like one man said, you can, have a, you can plant a garden, you can plant tomatoes. And if you don't take care of that garden, those tomatoes will still grow amongst the weeds, won't they? What the apostle is saying here is that we have fruit under righteousness. We we are serving God now, but guess what? There's still some weeds there. There's still some weeds. What we need to do is get rid of the weeds. You know the bad thing about weeds is they just keep coming back. Your tomatoes will die out of the blight, but those weeds look great.
In order to grow spiritually, we got to eat spiritually, don't we? In order to grow spiritually, we got to eat spiritually. As we grow in the Lord, I believe we can get some victory in our lives over sin, don't you? I hope so. I mean, I hope that over time, as you mature as a Christian, you get some victory over some things. It sins in your life. We still sin, but it won't be the reigning principle in our life. Present salvation from the power of sin means to be delivered from the love of sin. It means to be delivered from the deceitfulness of sin. It, listen to this one. It means to be delivered from us excusing sin. Some of you all, most of you all, don't act like you're too young. Most of you all can remember old Flip Wilson saying, the devil made me do it. That was an excuse, wasn't it? We shouldn't excuse sin in ourselves. Here's how we do it. We say, well, nobody's perfect. Or we say, well, God knows my heart. That ought to scare you to death that he knows your heart. Or, as one lady told me, I can't help it, I've got a bad temper. All my family had bad temper. That'll stand at the judgment seat. I'm a redhead, she said. We, we have to be delivered from that, don't we? Jesus came to save his people from the power of sin, the bondage. Sin, sin is a bondage, isn't it? Sin is a bondage. People, people you know, Baptists particularly, a lot of times we have a list of sins. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And they're usually all outward things, you know, that everybody can see. But how about the sin of covetousness? C.H. Spurgeon said, I've never heard anybody stand up in church and say, I'd like to confess my sin of covetousness. How about the sin of pride? How about the sin of a bad temper? One woman told Billy Sunday, she said, yeah, I've got a bad temper. She said, but it's over in an instant. And he said, so is a shotgun blast. It can do a lot of damage, can't it? Jesus came to save his people from the servitude of sin. And Jesus came, number one, saved from the pleasure of sin. I don't know, I don't, if I'm, listen, if you're saved... If, it's the biggest word in the dictionary, right? I read that somewhere. If you're saved, you shouldn't love the things you used to love. I can tell you my personal testimony. My personal testimony is I no longer like the things I used to like. And now I like things that I didn't used to like. That is a sign of salvation, isn't it? 
Salvation from the pleasure of sin. Salvation from the penalty of sin. I'm glad I can lay my head down tonight on a pillow and not worry about dying and going to hell. I'm saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus Christ paid my sin debt. Amen. Jesus signed my pardon. He paid my sin debt. I'm saved from the power of sin. Not that I'm sinless, but it no longer reigns in me. There's a, there's a new man in me. There's a Holy Spirit in me that's trying to get me to do right and helping me along the way. He's changing me little by little. And sometimes I fall back, but you know what? He's there to help me. One of the good things about God, aren't you glad? One of the good things about God is when you fall down, He don't kick you. <laughs> he helps us, doesn't He? Then lastly, salvation from the presence of sin. Again, our text said this, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. You know that's the same as the Old Testament word Joshua. He's the captain of our salvation. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to this earth. Listen, this is the time of the year. Everybody's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people talk about the birth of Christ, don't they? This is that time of year. Well, I'm telling you, he came to this earth for a purpose. And it's not so we could eat turkey and ham and cranberry sauce. He came to this world for a purpose. He came to save his people from their sins. He didn't come to save us in our sins. He came, he didn't, come to uh, give us a liberty to sin, but he gave us a liberty from sins. We have a liberty, but it's not to do wrong, is it? He came to redeem his people from all iniquity, the Bible says. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul said, for now we see through a, gr a glass darkly, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even also I am known. Also am known. Uh, we don't understand all about heaven. But I can tell you this, we're going to a place where there's no sin. We're going to a place where there's no sin. We see through a glass darkly now. But then we're going to see face to face, aren't we? We're going to see him face to face. If you're saved, you're going to a place where there's no sin. That's, we can't even understand that. That's beyond our imaginations. But it's true. Jonathan Edwards said, God is love and heaven is infinite love. How about that? <laughs> We're going to a place where there's no sin. Think about this for a minute. Not only is there no sin, there's no ramifications of sin. In other words, you won't need any locks on the doors in heaven. You won't need any police in heaven. 
You won't need any doctors in heaven. You won't need any nurses in heaven. I remember there was an old preacher down in Winston-Salem named Zeno Gross. Just having that name would be cool, wouldn't it? Zeno Gross. But anyway, he got up to preach. He was an old man. Probably died a few years after I heard him preach. We were there in Charlotte, and he preached. And, and uh, the, the moderator introduced him as Dr. Zeno Gross. And the old man got up to the pulpit. He was probably in his 80s. And he said this. He said, Brother, I'm not a doctor. I've never even been a nurse yet. <laughs> well, you know, for about $75, you can get you a doctor's degree. If y'all want to take up a collection, I'll apply. Y'all can put it out there on the marquee. Dr. Sean Davis. No, I'm talking about medical doctors. There'll be no medical doctors in heaven. Amen. You won't need one. You won't need any surgeons. You won't need any hospitals. You won't need any nursing homes. The ramifications of sin, there'll be none there. There'll be no funeral homes. There'll be no graveyards. We're going to a good place, aren't we? Now, look over at 1 John chapter 3, please. 1 John chapter 3. Remember our theme this morning. He shall save his people. Jesus Christ came into the world, Paul said, to save sinners. And Paul said, and I'm the chief. And if listen, if Jesus Christ can save the chief, he can save you. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. Revelation, uh, hold your place there. I'm not going to have you turn, but look at 1 John and chapter 3. Stay right there. Revelation 20 says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. If you'll look at, at chapter 3 of 1 John and verse 7, the Bible says this, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this, notice this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to destroy the works permanently of the devil. He's going to destroy the works permanently of the devil he's going to he's going to totally destroy him he's going to cast him into the lake of fire and he'll not bother us anymore matter of fact he won't bother anybody anymore i thought about that this morning and i thought he won't even we won't even hear a whimper 
What a day, glorious day that will be. Jesus Christ saved his people. Number one, he saves them from the guilt and condemnation of sin. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. He saves his people from the guilt and curse and condemnation of sin. He saves his people from the love and the habit of sin. He saves his people from selfishness and self-centeredness. The longer you're saved, the less selfish you ought to be. Because our Savior's not selfish. He's not selfish. He gave, didn't he? In closing, let me call your attention to this Savior. What a wonderful Savior we have. I want to tell you, number one, He's the only Savior. He's the only Savior. There's not ten ways, three ways, five ways, one. There's only one way, isn't there? He's the only Savior. And I'll tell you this, there's no ritual that can save you. There's no ordinance that can save you. There's no denomination that can save you. There's no good works that can save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. You can't clean yourself up and get saved. There's a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I'm thinking about that. I'd like to get saved, preacher, but I'd like to straighten up first, you know. You can't do that. You can try it, but it won't work. (laughs) Cleaning yourself, reformation is not regeneration, is it? Reformation reformation is, is just polishing the outside. Let's put it this way. If, if, you, uh, if you had a, a guy come to your door in a nice three-piece suit and $500 Italian shoes and said, I'm out of money, can you give me, some, can you give me something to help me? You'd look at him and say, I don't know about that. <laughs> if you know what we are, we're beggars. There's no, self, there's no reason to try to polish yourself up before you come to Christ. Come to Him just as you are. You Clean yourself up won't work. There's, that's what people do, though, isn't it? In their heart, they say, you know what? I believe that preacher's right. I'm going to try to straighten up. Will it be a long time before you ever do it? Jesus didn't say straighten up. He said believe on me. Didn't he? We, a lot of times people put the, the cart before the horse, don't they? I'm glad God the Holy Spirit can get through all that though, aren't you? You know he can get through all that. Did you know that? I remember when the Lord was dealing with my heart and that preacher, I knew he was coming to the house and I threw all the beer out of the refrigerator. I even got rid of my snuff where he couldn't see it. 
Because Baptists don't rub snuff, you know, or they're not supposed to. They do, but they ain't supposed to. I got rid of that, and I was made sure he didn't see all my rock and roll albums and everything. And I was trying to clean up best I could. But when that preacher showed up and he started talking to me about my soul, all I can remember is getting down in front of my fireplace hearth and saying, God, I'm sorry. That's all, that's as far as I remember getting. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Holy Spirit cut through all that red tape. Aren't you glad he can do that? The Bible says, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I want to ask you this morning, have you trusted him? Are you trusting him now? Is he your only hope? Are you trusting him today? Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Hey, we're going to a place where there's no more sin.